Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophets Speak. Today we continue our study of the first book of Kings. We are Malachim Aleph. We are up to chapter 20, that is Perak Chaf. We have just read of the, um, uh, the end of Eliyahu's career, of Elijah's career as the main prophet and how he had to hand over the baton to his student Elisha and we leave the, the pair, the new pair of, of student and teacher, Eliyahu and Elisha, aside for a moment and go back to the northern kingdom of Ahav, Ahab, and the northern kingdom of Israel. And we read of a, a series of battles and we see what's going on in Ahav's court. We're going to focus on Ahav uh, for the next couple chapters. And we're going to leave Eliyahu and Elisha aside, but of course they will come back later. In the meantime, we had mentioned that the, uh, the nation of Aram, uh, which is uh, more or less modern-day Syria, uh, was a major nemesis of the northern kingdom, and was a that was led by at the time by a powerful king named Ben Hadad, and Ben Hadad is about to uh, lead a major attack against the northern kingdom of Ahab. Now, in those, it's important to understand beforehand that in general in those days, if a, one king would, would subdue another, they would usually do it for the purpose of getting you know, tribute. You know, and they, they would typically either lay siege or send messengers and threats and say, if you give us tribute, then we'll leave you alone. And if you don't, we're going to attack you. And, that, and, the, and then the... Uh, the the receiving end, the, the king on the receiving end would have to decide if he wants to submit and pay tribute or does he want to fight. And usually that would depend on what he thought his prospects were at winning a fight. <clears throat> now, this Ben Haddad, the king of Aram, we're going to see what kind of a person he was in just a moment. And we are about to focus on Ahab's court. And, and it's important to take notice as we study this of what the environment was here in Ahav's court at this time. Eliyahu was gone because Ezebel chased him out, right? The, uh, the prophets of the Baal had lost the big encounter on Harakarmel, and we are going to see that Ahav is now being advised by several prophets of God. So it seems that Ahav is having a major turnaround here. We don't hear about Ezebel. We will uh, a couple chapters from now. But she is clearly uh, um, scheming and still in the, the world of, of, of her, in her pagan world of Baal and Asherah. But Ahav seems to be taking counsel and advice from the prophets of God, which again emphasizes to us how important it would have been for Eliyahu to stay there and what kind of influence Eliyahu might have been able to have had he played the game a little bit differently than he did. Because we see that Ahav is open to influence from the prophets of God. And we're gonna, about to see how that plays out in, in uh, today's chapter and for the next uh, couple podcasts. So Ben Hadad Melach Aram. This is verse 1. Ben Hadad, the king of Aram, kovatz et kol chilo. He gathered his entire army, ushloshim ushnaim melach ito, with an additional 32 other kings that he had gathered from the surrounding area, presumably that built an alliance with him, and horses and riders, 
Vayal and chariots, Vayal Vayotzer al Shomron Vayilachimba. And he went and he laid siege to Shomron, Shomron, Samaria being the capital of Israel and the seat of Achav's reign. Vayishlach Malachim, and he sent messengers, El Achav Melech Yisrael Ha'ira, to Achav, the king of Israel, into the city. So here he laid siege with a huge army, with 32 allied kings. You can only, with horses, chariots, you can only imagine this was a massive group, and they lay siege to Shomron. Vayomerlo, and he says to him, Ko Amar Ben Hadad, so says Ben Hadad, your silver and your gold belong to me. And your good and beautiful wives and children are mine. Now, remember that Achav assumes that what Ben Hadad is saying is that I want you to be my vassal and I want you to pay tribute. Achav, seeing and realizing the, uh, the um, challenge he's up against with vastly outnumbered, uh, by Ben Hadad and his forces, he gives what would seems to be a reasonable answer. Vayan Melech Yisrael Vayomer, and the king of Israel answered and said, Kidvarcha Adoni Melech. Just as you have said, that is that is how it will be, my master, the king. So he he deferentially uh, addresses Ben Hadad as my master, the king. Lecha ani shali. I and everything that I have belongs to you. So another, assuming, Achav, assuming that this would mean he would uh, lay off the siege, and then Achav would simply you know, have, have to pay some sort of tribute, which is a problem, but at least he would spare the city and maintain his, his kingdom. And then the messengers came back by Omer and they said, So says Ben Hadad, When I said... Uh, when I sent you the first message saying, that I wanted you to give me your gold and silver and wives and children, um, what I meant was that at this time tomorrow, I am going to send my servants against you, and they are going to seize your house and the houses of your, of your servants, uh, of your court, and everything that you that you uh, desire, everything that you have, that you look upon so 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 wonderfully, everything that you enjoy in your life, they are going to take, and will be put in, will be taken by them in their hands. So, in other words, I didn't mean tribute. I didn't mean what it usually means. I meant I am actually sending in an invading force and going to take everything away from you. I'm going to destroy you. In other words. So here now, Achav is facing a much different type of challenge. So um, the um, now he has to figure out what to do. So the king of Israel called in his advisors, all the elders of the land. Vayomer he said, "The una uru. No, take note and see kira What kind of evil this person." Is, is seeking to do to us. He sent me the message uh, um, that he wanted that he wants my wives and children, my silver and my gold. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't keep that away from him. In other words, I was willing to sue for peace and give him tribute. 
Uh, but And still, he wants to destroy us. So in other words, he simply wants to destroy for the sake of destruction. This is a particular evil here, right? He, I mean, it's bad enough that you want to take things away from someone else, right? But, uh, okay, he wants money, so fine. I mean, that's the, unfortunately the way of the world, and at least in those days, uh, not that much different today. But, um, however, the, uh, but to destroy just for the sake of destroying... That's just pure evil. So all of the people and all of the elders, or actually all of the elders and all of the people, said, Don't listen to him and don't submit to him. That's, if that's what he's out, if it's just evil, we'll have to stand up and fight. So he, his answer to the messengers of Ben Haddad was as follows. Tell my master the king. So he's still speaking to him deferentially. Everything that you, the message that you sent to your servant originally, that I'm ready to do. But this, what you're asking, this I'm not going to do. And then the messengers went back and returned to Ben Hadad with the message of Achav. So Ben Hadad, of course, is now infuriated. And he sends back a message to Achav and says, Vayomer, Ko yosifu, So should the gods do for me, and, so, and so, so they should do even more. We had the same language when Yezebel, uh, Jezebel before said to Elio, So shall the gods do, uh, and, and, so, and so much even more. It's a, a way of saying that um, the gods be with me. Im yispoka far shomron, right? That if there isn't even enough dirt in the city of Samaria, Lisha Alim, for the um, to fill a handful of each of the people that are going to come and attack your town. In other words, I have so many troops here that there isn't even enough dirt that if each one took a handful of dirt, there wouldn't even be enough dirt in Shomron. So, Vayan Melech Israel, and this is kind of cute here, but. Uh, the king of Israel answered with a saying, Vayomer, Dabru, tell him, Ali Yishalel Choger Kimifateach. The, uh, uh, the person who is a Choger, who is putting on his sword to fight, shouldn't brag like the person who is taking his sword off. In other words, it's, um, it's like, you know, before the, don't start bragging before the battle when you're putting on your sword, before the killing takes place, that you're going to win, Right? You can only brag when it's time to take off the sword and you're finished and you're done. It's kind of like don't count your chickens before they hatch, right? You know, you're bragging about this great victory, you're going to say, but, you know, that's not necessarily what's going to happen. When he heard this reply, when did he hear it? He was drinking, uh, um, uh, presumably wine, or something intoxicating. And the other um, kings with him in the place called Sukkot, where they were encamped. And he said to his um, his his servants, "Simu, uh, place the siege, or move forward against the city." And they moved forward against against the city of Shomron. So he was infuriated by the reply. It's time to attack. And behold, there was a prophet. And as we'll see from the way he speaks, this is a prophet of God. 
Nigash el Achav Melech Yisrael. This Navi, this prophet, approached Achav, the king of Israel, Vayomer, and he said, Ko Amar Adonai, so says God, Haroisa es kol hahamon hagadol hazeh, do you see before you this tremendous mass of people that are coming against you? Today I am going to put them in your hand. You are going to beat them. And you will know that I am God. And Achav said, well, okay. <laughs> He's pretty obviously scared about the coming onslaught, to put it mildly. And... Um, who do I send? Like, how exactly do I beat these guys? Who do, you know, who, who's the, which, which valiant warriors are going to go up and, and beat this entire horde of, of attackers? So the prophet says to him, So says God, The children of your governors. Um, so you're going to use, um, you know, the children of the aristocracy are going to be the ones that win. It, this is very, um, it's interesting, like, what's the point? Like, why use these people? It, presumably, these are people that are not trained warriors, as most of the commentaries understand. They're, they're, and, and the point being that you're not even going to use trained warriors. And what we're going to see soon is that it's actually, number one, it, it just emphasizes, of course, the miracle that they won, which we're going to find out soon. But more so, it kind of is part of the strategy, because, uh, and which we'll see in a minute. And then he said, and who's going to lead the battle? Who's going to start it? So he says, you, you're going to start it, right? Um, so you're going you're gonna to set out the plan. So he said, okay, I'll start the plan. So the, he did. So Ahav listened to this prophet. He didn't say you're a crazy nut. This takes a tremendous leap of faith in God, right, to trust this, this prophet and attack the, um, this tremendous uh, mass of, of, of presumably very well-trained and well-equipped soldiers and send after them a couple of princes who don't, don't even know nothing about war. This just really says something about Ahav and, and his faith. But one also would suspect that Ahav had a little bit of an inkling as to why this plan might actually work. Because remember, Ahav was afraid. He knew he didn't have the numbers to really attack and, and repel this attack uh, from Ben-Hadad. So he needs some other um, a strategy. And Ahav would have been familiar with the history of the Jewish people that we learned in Shoftim that there were many different stories where small numbers of troops by using various tactics of surprise, etc., were able to defeat much larger enemies. So he, he, he mustered up, you know, he counted out and mustered up the sons of the governors. And there was a total of 220, so I'm sorry, 232 uh, uh, young men. And after that, after that, he had in backing them were 7,000 soldiers, which were the all the soldiers of Israel. So that's not a very large force to counter this huge force that forces 7,000 and these 232 people of untrained soldiers uh, who presumably were um, kind of uh, spoiled and and uh, you know nobles uh, children these are the ones who were leading the charge so what did they do they marched out of the city at noon 
And at this point, one gets the scene, right? What's happening now? Ben Hadad at this time is drinking and he is completely drunk in Sukkot. He and all the other kings, the 32 kings that are helping him, they're all partying and drunk, right? So when they see a couple hundred nobodies, in terms of war at least, nobodies coming against them, these drunkards, what kind of reaction are they going to have, right? They're going to think, oh, they must be coming to surrender, right? You know, ha, 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 we beat them. The, 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 and in fact, they may have even recognized that these were the sons of the governors. If the sons of the governors are coming out, they would let down their guard completely because, you know, they're, obviously they're coming to surrender, right? Why else would they be doing this? So, so the children, the princes, the, uh, the children of the governors came out first. And Ben Hadad sent a messenger. I'm sorry. And they sent the messenger to Ben Hadad and they told him, There were some people that left Shomron. That's how the message comes back. Not that there's soldiers or armies, etc. There's a bunch of people that left Shomron, that left Samaria. And they're coming here. And he says, and he answers, if they're coming out to surrender in peace, right, I want you to grasp them alive. Right, and if they left out, if they left out for war, also grasp, grab them alive, which really doesn't make any sense, but it does make sense because he was drunk. So whatever they do, I'll just, I'll just get them alive is basically what he's saying. So, um, <clears throat> so he, the, he gives no coherent answer. Leadership is completely absent. The leaders of all the troops are completely drunk. And now you have these people that are extremely non-threatening coming to the camp. So the Eila Yatsumana here. So meantime, while this is happening, the, these people had left the city. Who are these people that left? The children of the governors. And the army that is behind them. So while nothing is happening, they're getting no leadership and no guidance, and the leaders are drunk, and the soldiers don't know what to do and have no orders, then Bayaku Ish Isho, each person uh, struck down. While they're thinking they're coming to surrender, they came to fight, and they started striking down the people that they confronted by Anusu Aram, and they all ran towards Aram by Yerdefame Israel, and the people of Israel chased the Aramean armies, and Ben Hadad, the king of Aram, uh, ran and escaped Al Susufarashim on horses and and with with other riders, with other horse riders. Israel, and then uh, uh, the king of Israel um, also left the city to fight and he struck down the horses and the chariots and scored a tremendous victory and struck down many. Uh, people, soldiers from the army of Aram. Vayigash Hanavi El Melch Israel. So the prophet then came to the king of Israel. This is not the end, is what he's about to say. This is a great victory. Vayomerlo, but he told him, Lechiz Chazek, strengthen yourself. Vida Eis Asher And you have to um, know very well. You really got to think this through. Vida you got to think through. And re and see the res- the potential outcomes of what you do because your ne- and your next moves when the next year comes around the king of Aram is going to be back attacking you be ready for the next battle 
So think, get ready. Don't celebrate too much this victory because this is a very good victory, but a very temporary victory. So hang in there. So here we see Achav being very successful. We see the, all of the drama with all of the prophets of Baal and everything is completely gone as far as we can see from Achav's house. We see Achav taking guidance from the prophets of God. And we see Achav leading the people in a daring and highly successful uh, uh, counter-attack counter against the, the, um, an invading army and, and a tremendous leap of faith on the part of Ahab and incredible planning uh, uh, which, which was inspired by and the idea given to him by the prophet from God. This is a very different Ahab than we're used to and a, complete, and a completely different picture of the Ahab who was being uh, counseled by his wife and the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And the next, uh, this, is, this will be the end. I'm going to com- complete this podcast here. This is the first half of chapter 20. In the next podcast, we'll study this second uh, half of chapter 20 together. Looking forward to studying it together and the rest of this beautiful book. Thank you so much for studying with me and have a wonderful day.